nice friends. Good evening and welcome to our second episode of the You've Got No Fans podcast. I'm joined again with my brother Chris, as I was in the first round, where we introduced everyone to their new German team. And today we're bringing you some more interesting facts and bits and pieces related to the eagerly anticipated return of the Bundesliga on what is now confirmed as the 16th of May. So, as I just said, the Bundesliga is set to return on the 16th of May. Well, obviously, originally we thought it would be this weekend, didn't we? I suppose that's the starting yeah. point. Or it that would was, be tomorrow originally. That was what it was always the date they were going for it. Sort of sat for a long time actually, wasn't it? And then it yeah, it's when we set the looked... podcast up, we kind of sat there thinking that tomorrow would be our first game of fixtures, didn't we? Yeah, and then there was a spell after that. I think probably the week or so after that, where it looked like it might get shelved altogether for some time. Yeah, and then um, then it kind of back on the agenda. But then it seems that they got the go-ahead for the 16th of May on Thursday. So we do have some football to look forward to, um, which is really exciting. It gives us a week to kind of build up to it. Um, and I think, the, as we, we were saying earlier, I think kind of people are getting fed up with the, the project restart in the UK. So perhaps the Bundesliga is going to be more watched than possibly people thought. Well, they've effectively got a, cap- a captive audience, haven't they? Because it's the only football reputable standard in terms of with a national audience that's that's going to be streamed on television, probably for the foreseeable. So um, for the first time, the Bundesliga has always struggled in terms of having the coverage that perhaps the Spanish League, the Premier League, even if Syria has, has had. So, but this is its opportunity, really, where it's got a captive audience where it can cash in. And um, I saw an interesting fact yesterday where... The the rights that, that BT pay for the Premier League is is approximately nine million a game um, to show it. You pay not they will pay nine million pounds to the Premier League to show a game, whereas it's a, a low six figure sum that they pay for the rights of the Bundesliga. So they they can't, probably can't believe they're lucky in that sense at the moment that they got that for such a low price, and it's now um, the only football being shown in in Europe. For, for the time being so um of all the european leagues has got the most exciting title race if you look at the premier league it's what a 25 point gap between first and second where even if you go over to the la liga as we were just saying there's a nine point gap there between first and third whereas with the bundesliga you've got just an eight point gap between first and fifth a big ask for the fifth place team to come through and win it but it's all to play for there's 27 points to go, a fo- an eight-point gap. It could happen. It, unlikely, looking at the teams at the top with your Dortmunds, your RB Leipzig and your Bayern Munich, for them to fall off to that extent. But with nine games to go, there's a very realistic possibility. If you're if you're sat in fifth place, that you think, you know what, if we get the right run of results and things go our way, we could be really contesting for a title here. So like you say, in terms of what the TV providers are getting for their money, they've kind of come out winners probably of this. Um, they're going to get probably their biggest viewing figures they've ever had in Bundesliga football. Yeah, and it's also, we'll obviously come on to it in a moment, but of course um, there was an, there was discussions in the week as to what run of fixtures they would go for first because um, the first week through it has thrown up or the gap in when it was suspended, it threw up the the next game to be played was the Dortmund Schalke derby. Which yeah, is, the Ruhr derby, um, which we ha- we are going to cover in a bit. It's sort of known as the biggest um, game in 
sort of the biggest rivalry in German football, the biggest game in German football. And there was a lot of, of talk that they might engineer the fixtures for the first week to give a bit of a, a flatter first week of fixtures so everyone can get used to this new environment and without any um, big hitting matches. But um, they haven't done that. There's, there's of course, the, the Dortmund-Chalker game. Um, Leipzig have got a home game. Um, yes. If you look at the fixtures at the top, it, they've all kind of got each other to play. I'm just having a look. Um, we've got the Bayern, who I think probably will still win the league, have got an away trip to Dortmund. They've also got a trip to Leverkusen, who are fifth. They've got Morten Glad back at home, which is not an easy run in. And then Leipzig and Dortmund face each other on the penultimate week of the season as well. So that top kind of spot, there's a lot of distance to sort of go in the Bundesliga, isn't there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, even their first game, um, Munich's first game away at U- away at Union Berlin, is not an easy game. It's a really interesting weekend to fix. I don't think you can really predict anything because um, obviously it's an yeah, entirely it's like new setting again, almost, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, and it's the added factor that you're playing in front of an empty state in an empty stadium. Um, you would say Union Berlin at home against Munich would um, create an atmosphere. It would be a hostile place for for Munich to go. Um, Will that not happening have have such an effect that Bayern turn up there and steamroll them and move into into game week two with a comfortable win, or will they be able to somehow replicate the hostility at Berlin that they would have had um, with a full house um, for that fix? It's, it's going to be really interesting, and we have actually got a, a midweek game as well, which I'm really looking forward to finishing work and actually having a, a live match to watch on Monday. Yeah. Um, Bremen against Leverkusen and a half-seven kickoff UK time. It would have been very easy to sanitise these fixtures and have them all at three o'clock on a Saturday or something um, just to get the fixtures played. But with the exception of the empty stadiums, it looks to me as though the German Football Federation are pretty much doing it as they would do, as as things normally would, which is great to see. Yeah, and of course, with Borussia Mönchengladbach, back, you, you won't have an empty stadium. You'll have... What have they got? Sold 16,000 cutouts now, yeah. So that would be an interesting one if Bruce Melch and Gladbach are on TV at any point to have a look at what that looks like. Yeah, exactly. And I suspect that will that will be something that will grow as once people see that's happening, um, it'll, it will go viral and um, you'll probably find the, full, the whole stadium will be full of them by game week three or four. Yeah, I think they're asking something like 17 euros for the rest of the season, which isn't a huge amount of money, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that leads us quite well into the, the next feature. The Ruhr Derby being played at Signal Iduna Park. And it's the 156th time this fixture has been contested since 1925. So they are very familiar opposition with one another. Regardless of the results on Saturday, and even if it's a nil-nil draw, where nothing nothing of note happens, um, it's never it's going, it's going to be a derby that's never going to be forgotten. Is it the first game um, of this new era for the time being of, of empty stadiums? Um, so it's in its own way, it's a it's a whole new chapter in that in that famous rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one of a few bigger games, I suppose, at the top. With kind of, if you look at Leipzig, they're welcoming Freiburg. So third v eighth, but not not a foregone conclusion that Leipzig will win that. But equally, Dortmund, if they slip up against Schalke, we've only been that one point. There's quite a lot of room for those teams to swap and change around at the top. Yeah, within the first absolutely. Pictures. The last time they met in October was a nil-nil draw. So not a classic. I'd be surprised if we get the same again given that there is such importance for Dortmund if they want to remain in the title race because the biggest jump is from first to second with four points then it's only three points down to fourth 
Um, so it's important for Dortmund that they do take advantage there. And Schalke haven't been in brilliant form since the winter break. That said, their season on the whole has been pretty good by all accounts. So they find themselves sick. So they will be happy. They're 10 points off Leverkusen. So realistically, they're not catching fifth. But they also need to win to stay ahead of Wolfsburg and Freiburg yeah. and Hoffenheim. are only a point point behind. So Looking at... Looking at their stats now, um, it just jumps out that they struggle to score goals. Um, in terms of goals conceded, Dortmund have conceded 33, Schalke conceded 36, which is nothing really, obviously, between them. Um, Dortmund have scored 68, um, yeah. whereas Schalke have scored 33. Since the last time they met with the 0-0, obviously Dortmund have signed Haaland. Haaland um, Sancho's in red-hot form. Power. So, exactly. Um, and Dortmund have the best home form in the league by all accounts, whilst Schalke's away results have been very mixed. So you, you have to kind of look at it and think it is going to go in Dortmund's favour. But yeah. there's been no football for however long, so it's really hard to read into it. And I think they will win, but I can't say for certain that, yep, absolutely, that's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. They're going to run out and win. I'm going to stick my neck on the line. That's what we want in football, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people moan about the Premier League and things like that, saying at the top, it's very much the top four and then everyone else. Well, at least with this now coming back in this way, it is almost an unknown every game, isn't it? There's no form, there's no record book. It's completely new for everyone. So that does add some excitement to it to an extent. Um, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and I think Dortmund will win comfortably. I think it'll be two or three nil. That's, of course, going on on pre-break form. Um, So, and as you say, anything can happen. So it's going to be an interesting watch. Yeah, and one thing it's worth mentioning about the fixture that we've kind of glossed over, the Bundesliga itself and the German government looked heavily at rearranging all of the fixtures to avoid having this one on the first game back, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they looked at potentially starting with the last fixture and fixture working backwards, because obviously they have that fear that being a, such a high-profile derby that supporters will still congregate. I'm glad they didn't, they stuck with as it is, because what better way to welcome your football back and have a derby like that? I think it's a trust thing as well, isn't it? That they they it, they've sent the message out the the, the German the Bundesliga and the German government have sent the message out to the German supporters that um, we trust you to be sensible about this. Um, and it's a it's a mutual respect sort of thing, isn't it? That um, like you said, they could have put a a real dead rubber round of fixtures in it, um, but they they said no, we'll, we're sticking with what we got. We trust you to to stick to the to supporters to stick to the rules. Um, so don't let us down. So I think that's a big yeah, that's a big step from the authorities to do that yeah and that leads us nicely we've gone from talking about trust and doing things properly yeah let's talk about solomon kalu perfect example of not doing things properly i'd yeah. actually i've got to be honest with you i'd forgotten all about solomon kalu as a footballer until yeah this i week. had until i start i started a game of half a belly and i'm football manager as i said i would the two names that sprung to mind were dedrick boyata once of Manchester City and Solomon Kalou once of Chelsea. For those who haven't been keeping up, made a Facebook Live video this week of himself arriving at training, walking around Hertha Berlin's training complex, shaking hands with everyone he came into contact with, walking in on some of his teammates having their COVID-19 test and getting a nice close-up of their mouth swabs being done and really kind of throwing her... Singing a sort of derogatory rhyme about Yeah, making a song up about the coronavirus and really kind of throwing shade over her for Berlin, really, as a club who perhaps from... If you looked at just that video alone, they had coaching staff involved. You'd think, really, are they following the guidance? And actually, by Kalu doing that, could have put the whole return of the Bundesliga in jeopardy, I think. Yeah. Um, um, had it have come a few days earlier, would perhaps the powers have been looked at and go, you know what, the clubs can't be trusted to do it properly. 
we're going to back it off a bit. Yeah, um, it's just we. It's just I watched a video just before this call, and still watching it now. You sort of you're staggered at the stupidity, but not just of Kalu. I mean, he's obviously the the, the perpetrator, but um, the first thing he does is walk into a coach's into a coach's office. He's and, doing and something some, some sort of data on a computer. Data. It's crazy. Like, why doesn't he just? He should be instantly shutting that down and saying, "Come on." Come on, what are you doing? Think about it. Like, is this the brightest thing to be doing today? Um, in the in the current circumstances, um, yeah. what are you doing? But it kind of let him happen. No one really jumped on it, which um, and as, I think as soon as the coaching staff lets that happen, that's when the questions ask wider of the club of are they following the protocols? Yeah, as a club? exactly. Because are they really in, taking this seriously? And for Kalu as well, he he's such a drain on resources for Berlin. You you imagine he's on a big salary. He's only played five times this season now, and they've suspended him until the end of the season when his contract's up. So that's probably his career at Berlin finished. Yeah. What a waste for the club it's been. They've, they've put a huge outlay of wages into him to get five games out of him and to probably damage the reputation of the club a little bit. Yeah, you, you wonder what's going on there um, in terms of thought process or clearly lack of thought. Um, he, won't, he won't play again, I don't think. No, he's a, he's a 35-year-old grown man acting more like a 10-year-old, isn't he, at the moment? If it, I think if it was a... That, I think that's the point. If it was a 19-20-year-old sort of striker, you'd, you'd just it? say... It's a bit of a joke. 16, 17, not really understanding the position they're in. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be one of the senior players in that squad. and It's not like he's never he's played... He's a vice-captain of the team at the end of the day. Yeah, and, he, and it's not like he's never played for any big clubs. Kind of, if you look at who he's played for, Feyenoord, Chelsea, Lille, Hertha Berlin, played 100 times for the Ivory Coast. So he should be able to be trusted to lead by example. Yeah, I think that's all there is on, on the topic. Um, that does, again, lead on quite nicely, though, because having looked at Berlin, um, one thing we have noticed is that they scandal, that for whatever reason, does seem to follow her for Berlin around a little bit. Yeah, so as we said last episode, that we want to try and talk a bit about each club and what it's like supporting them. So obviously this week with me and you, we're going to get that rolling by talking about Herfer and then a bit about Cologne. So something I found from Hertha Berlin was they were one of the founding members of the Bundesliga back in 1962. And their first day in the Bundesliga only lasted a couple of seasons because in 1965, they were relegated through bribery of players. So what they were doing was they were bribing players from East Germany to come and play in West Germany, which was strictly forbidden at the time. And they were relegated off the back of that. They did get promoted a couple of years later off off their own merit without any bribery but then in 1971 they were involved in bribery scandals again when they were bribed 9,000 euros per player of their matchday squad by Armenia Bielefeld to lose on the last game of the season to help Bielefeld stay up doesn't sound a huge shock that but it was kind of laughable really in that season Hertha Berlin had won every single one of their home games and then suddenly on the last day of the season, go and lose 1-0 to Armenia Bielefeld. So they have been a club that, although not recently, have been involved in their fair share of scandal. And under a new manager as well, which you can't imagine coming in as a new manager, this is exactly what you want a week before you take your first game at the club. No, but um, credit to the manager for... Um... He's dealt with it very strongly, hasn't he? And, and... Yes, but he could have easily said kind of issued a fine or something like that. But no, he's gone out and suspended Kalu for nine games. And that's probably the end of his contract, isn't it? I can't see him. He's played five times. I can't see them signing him again next year um, on an extension. 
I guess it would just be interesting if that Hertha have injuries um, in their last nine games, if there's um, an injury crisis or it's even possible, I guess, that some of their players have to self, self-isolate. Um, could there be a way back for him? It's unlikely, clearly. But um, it's, yeah, we've just got to watch the next next nine runner games, really, and see if he does if he does stay out in the coals. If he, if he doesn't get somehow get get any sort of football, then I would agree with you. That's probably his, his spell in Germany at an end. Yeah. Um, moving on to the new manager then. So, Hertz Berlin, I suspect probably the only club in the top two divisions of the Bundesliga to have appointed a new manager over the kind of lockdown periods with Bruno Labbadia coming in, who was unattached, having left Wolfsburg in the summer. By all accounts, came out in the summer saying he was interested in the Hertha Berlin job, but obviously had to bide his time and picked it up earlier in April. So first game for him at the weekend against who are we away at Hoffenheim. So hopefully putting the Solomon Kalu scandal behind him. Um, I'll be looking for three points because I'll... There has been some. They need it. Of, yeah, there's been some signs of life with Hertabellion this season. They had a bit of a run following the winter break, but then the last two or three games before lockdown, their results started to slip again. They kind of lost four 0 to Mines, I think, and then there's a couple of draws in there as well. So they need something to kickstart their season again to really get them in an upward trajectory. Because where are they in the table? They're not a thirteenth, and they're yeah, coming. They're, I think it's a closed shot. They're only, they're only 18, six points ahead of the playoff. That's the big one, I think. Spot, that, that relegation playoff spot um, is still very much all to play for. Um, I don't think you can look... You can look probably, you could, probably can't look beyond Paderborn and where the Bremen for the bottom two, but um, well, you say that, all it takes is a win for Dusseldorf. And they're, they're up there. Where the Bremen win their game in hand? They go to 21 points in 17th. Dusseldorf on 22 in 16th in the playoff spot. So... Okay. So Paderborn are the ones cut adrift, but Hertha Berlin can't afford two or three more weeks of poor results. No, they can't be looking over their shoulders. Yeah, they need points and fairly quickly, just so they can get to sort of. I guess the first. I think if you're looking at Cologne up in in tenth on thirty two, you would say that they are comfortable. Everyone below them probably are, are not quite yet. Um, Union Berlin thirty, possibly one more win would do it for them, but. You, it's a it's a race really to get those points, I think, and it's better to get them early into the into the new season as such, rather than yeah. until the last few weeks. I suppose their only saving grace is if you look at the teams at the bottom. Augsburg are in free fall at the bottom. If you look at their eight game run since the winter break, their form matches only that of Bremen and Paderborn. So you have to look if that carries on with the games they've got of teams like Wolfsburg, Leipzig and Cologne to play that perhaps Augsburg are going to be the yeah. ones who if anyone falls into that right. bottom spot but I don't think Hertha Berlin can rest on their laurels and, and they have spent a huge amount of time over the last 30-40 years yo-yoing between the top two divisions so it wouldn't be yeah. unthinkable for Hertha to drop out again because they've done it before so I could always remember that there was a long spell in the sort of the maybe the late 90s or early 2000s where um it, Germany was a quiz question as such because it was the only major European li- league um, that didn't have a club from its capital city um, in the top division. Of course, they've now got Union and Hertha, but you're quite, you, it's not, it's not, you usually associate a capital city with a dominating football team. It's, yeah. it's really not the case in Germany. No, absolutely. So that kind of brings us up to speed with where Hertha as a club. Let's move on to your club. So Cologne then. Informed team in the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, it's quite interesting. They're only obviously four points ahead of Herfa um, and only the, the, their 10th, whereas Herfa are 13th. So not great. You'd look at the table and think there's not a lot in it. Um, both scored 32 goals this year. Um, both Cologne conceded 45, Berlin conceded 48. So not a lot not a lot in it really on paper at all, save for four points. But um, the, the general attitude around the two around the clubs um, couldn't be different, I would say. Everyone is tipping Cologne as a really upwardly mobile team this season. It's their first year back in the Bundesliga after a, a relegation. Um, that was a bit of a shock relegation, really. Um, it wasn't that long ago they were playing Arsenal in the Europa League yeah. two or three seasons ago. And of course, they've been in the first division since that. They're now, they're now back. Um, they are a team that a lot of people are tipping to leapfrog up the table as such and yeah, close some points at, off and possibly the table pu- push since, the top view. If you look at the table since Marcus Gisdol took over in November, um, they'd have 25 points from the 14 games he's been in charge. That would see them sat fifth, which would, if they finish in fifth or sixth, would see them make the Europa League. So if you look at that run, the only games they've actually lost have come against Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Mortland Gladbach. So they've only lost to the big boys, which most teams do and then if you look at their fixtures they've got Mainz Fortuna Dusseldorf Union Berlin Eintracht Frankfurt so they're four games at home that they're really going to be going into expecting to win yes they've got RB Leipzig to come to the Ryan Energy Stadium okay that's one of one of five if they win the other four they'll be happy and then they're visiting Hoffenheim who are there or thereabouts but they've also got trips to Augsburg and Bremen so you'd fancy them yeah. to probably pick up nine points from those. Yes, they'll probably lose away at Leverkusen, but actually, if you look at those fixtures, they've got seven of nine games that are very realistically winnable. If they pick up 21 points from from nine games, they're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to be pushing those 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 Europa League spots, um, definitely. And they're, they're, they're four, in terms of their stats, they're actually pretty good away from home. They've, won, they've, already, for a, they've already won four away games this year, which for a newly promoted club is pretty good going. Most teams really struggle to obviously away from home to get results after promotion. Um, look at Norwich, that's something they've really struggled for. And that hasn't seemed to be the, the issue for Cologne. So um, I, I'm really positive about it. I think they can, as you, as you said, they start, they've got a good game to start with. They've got a, a home a home match. It's a Sunday game. They've got a good match to start with. So being on a Sunday, I think, is an advantage because it lets the Saturday fanfare get out of the way and they can just quietly go about their business the day after when any teething problems have been ironed out and get that win, which will take them to 35 points and possibly close the gap with Hoffenheim and Freiburg. Follow yeah, that obviously up. they've got Hoffenheim to play, so... Exactly, exactly. So... If they win their game at the weekend and then beat Hoffenheim, that when they when they meet, that will leapfrog Hoffenheim. So that puts them up into ninth and puts them hot right on the heels of Wolfsburg, Freiburg and Schalke. And Schalke's form, as we said earlier, has been somewhat hit and miss lately. So there's a lot to be chased and to be to be played for in that kind of middle pack. Yeah, um, they've got one of the best, the most informed strikers in in the league prior to the, the break in John Cordoba, who is a Colombian striker who, having well, looked into... 133 minutes, which... Just is about not... a game and a half, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And at any level you play, if you've got a striker who's scoring a goal every game and a half, yeah, you're going to be happy with that, aren't you? That's a, in a 36-game season, that's 20 goals a season, there or thereabouts, yeah. which, which you're happy with, aren't you? And his form... Um, at Cologne has, has been remarkable, really, in the sense that he's never—he's a bit of a journeyman. He's been 
since coming across to Europe, he's Colombian. Since coming across to Europe, he's played for Espanyol, got four goals in a season there. Played for Granada, got four goals there. Played for Mines on loan, got five goals. Played for signed for Mines permanently, got four goals in a season. And then since joining Cologne in 2017, he's got 30, 30 league goals in 70 games. Which is slightly better than a goal game goal yeah. every game and a half, yeah. isn't it? So interestingly, it's just flashed up on my computer that Sky Bet. Cologne to secure a top six place at 12 to 1. Um, obviously, I know absolutely nothing about betting, but be interesting to see how this weekend goes, as that might give an indicator. But 12 to 1 isn't bad odds on anyone's money, really, if if they are, as a lot of people are saying, the informed team of the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they have had their own testing this week, and I've seen that, yes, during the week that there was three. Un- yeah, of course, they had two players and a member of Coke. They were the first ones of the, the testing cycle to be tested positive, weren't they? Yeah, they did. The club didn't reveal who was tested positive, but they have had a they've had subsequent tests today, the squad, and there's been no issues. So they've got a clean bill of health. They're ready to go as far as, um, as, as things are looking. And Am I right in thinking, this is something you said to me earlier in the week, that teams aren't travelling to games on buses? This, this first round of fixtures. Well, I've seen conflicting information on that. So I'd seen, like I said to you, I'd seen um, during the week that they're not travelling on buses. Um, they will be travelling in effectively sort of people movers, large taxi minibus sort of vehicles to minimise everyone being in on a bus. Um, but then I saw another article today to say that buses are being used and they're just going to be deep cleaned um, during the match. So when players get on the bus, um, obviously it's it will be cleaned. They'll get off the bus for the game during that two hours or so where they're not on the bus. Um, a specialist cleaning firm will come in and do a full deep clean on it. So again, that's a, a, a little niche that it's just going to be interesting to see how they deal with all of these things. I've seen also that it, they're probably not going to have, be, have the substitutes in the dugout. The, the substitutes are going to have to actually be in the stand and will presumably have to make their way pitch side to do warm-ups via the inside of the stadium. Um, but the dugouts are going to be empty except for the manager. Um, all the subs are going to be in the stand. So it's going to be really interesting to see how... Just, sort of, yeah, to see what that looks like the, in terms of the spectacle. Yeah, the everyday things that you just take for granted at football clearly isn't going to be happening. Yeah, I see, I've seen... they. There was talk that they were going to ban team celebrations, which they haven't done, but they have urged players to be sensible. So, yeah, it is going to be a really interesting one to see what what it looks like when it comes back. And especially what we we just we started this off by talking about the Schalke, the Schalke um, Dortmund game. Um, telling players to be sensible and keeping things to a minimum. Imagine if you're a, a Dortmund or a Schalke player and you score even more so, I guess, for Schalke because they need the points. If you were to score a last a late winner in that game, it's going to be really difficult to, even with an empty stadium, it's going to be really difficult to not to get carried away in that moment. So, we spoke a bit about Derby, we spoke about Hertha Berlin and then a bit about Cologne. We'll quickly do a fixture run through just so everyone knows who's playing who. So I've got them on my screen in front of me. So we'll start with Saturday the 16th. We've got Augsburg at home to Wolfsburg. So pushing for Europa League and really in free the win. Yeah. yeah. Both teams there need points. Borussia Dortmund, Schalke, we, we spoke about already. We know we know what comes with that game. And that's our game to watch for the weekend. If you only watch one fixture, that would be the one we say watch. Yeah, then we've got Fortuna Dusseldorf v Paderborn. Paderborn have picked up a few results recently and Fortuna Dusseldorf concede a lot of goals. They've conceded 50 goals this year, which if you bear in mind, they've only played, what, 25 games. 
to concede two goals is a lot. Yeah, I think you look at that fixture and you say if if Dusseldorf win that and Paderborn lose that, that puts Dusseldorf right on the co- on the tail of the teams above them outside of that relegation playoff spot, and it probably that's done and dusted from Pad- from Paderborn's point of view. Um, it'll ju- the gap will just be too big then for them to catch up. However, if they were to win that, then it there's signs of life there, isn't it? It's, yeah, if Paderborn pick up a win, suddenly they jump to 19 points. Still seven points off guaranteed safety, but suddenly only three points off that playoff spot. And yeah. I think if you're a Paderborn supporter, at this point now, you would probably go, you know what, we'll take that playoff spot. Yeah, exactly. Potentially that, that is realistic. For Paderborn, yeah, at the moment it's six points, but like you say, you win one of those games, suddenly it's three points. You get a, and I think, get a draw in there, suddenly it's two points. Yeah, and that's a whole new dynamic, of course, we're not used to with the relegation playoff, because if you're a, if you're Paderborn and you get into that relegation playoff, that's really positive, whereas if you are Hertha, who are, for instance, or a higher league and they drop into that, that's a really negative. Yeah. They're coming into that run, that those two, that two-legged fixture from a negative point of view, whereas for Paderborn, they'd be delighted from being dead and buried to get into that spot. So um, they would expect to probably go on and then use that positivity to get them over the line in the two-legged game. So that, again, that's a whole new dynamic that we're not used to. Yeah. Then we have Hoffenheim at home to Hertha Berlin. So we briefly touched on it earlier. Hoffenheim in ninth, a win could, if results go their way, send them up to sixth. But he- if Hoffen, if Hertha Berlin pick up a win, they could jump up to 11. They could get yeah. ahead of Union Berlin and be right on the heels. That would take them up to 31 points, potentially with Cologne on 32 and then Hoffenheim on 35. That could almost change Hertha Berlin's season, couldn't it? That, that gets yeah. back to those signs of life. They are right on the cusp and the next few games for Berlin are huge. It could either say, give them something to chase at the top end of the table or they could really be looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I think... To round off what we said earlier, I think the chances of them getting an automatic relegation slot are beyond slim. I just can't see them a ten a ten point swing there between the yeah. end of the season. But um, it's still a little bit too comfortable for that sixteenth spot at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We then have RB Leipzig at home to Freiburg. So Leipzig in third, Freiburg in eighth. eighth. You have to look at that and think Leipzig comfortable there. Yeah, you can't look beyond Leipzig, I think, really. Um, and then, of course, depending on how the Dortmund result goes against Schalke, that could put Leipzig back up to second and only two points off Bayern at, the, at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And the last Saturday fixture from the Bundesliga is Eintracht Frankfurt v Mönchengladbach. Mönchengladbach in fourth, again, could go up to second if results go their way, which would be special in itself. They are kind of... They're the ones upsetting the apple cart a bit at the top, aren't they? You'd you'd probably expect Leverkusen to be in fifth, to be in that guaranteed yeah. Champions League spot, but Mönchengladbach are, are punching above their weight a little bit at the moment. And if they could go up into second, then that really would be something quite special. Yeah. You, you look at the table, Frankfurt in twelfth. You would imagine Mönchengladbach will take the points there. They need the points as well, in the sense that they are hanging on a little bit still of the, the top the three above them um, if you expect the top three above them to all win that those first round of games if Monsha and Gladbach don't win um, it's then a big ask for them to close that gap yeah absolutely that then takes us to Bundesliga 2 where we've got Bochum v Heidenheim and I looked earlier at these features there's not a huge amount of 
um, excitement going on in the first round of the Bundesliga 2. The biggest fixture was Hamburg in third v Greta Firth in fifth. fifth. But even that, there's quite a big points gap between them. Two places, but eight points. So even yeah. that's not, not a massive fixture in any sense of the word. So, yeah, there's not a huge amount going on in Bundesliga 2 in the opening weekend but yeah Bochum take on Heidenheim so where's that Heidenheim in fourth and Bochum are 15th so on the face of it you'd go Heidenheim win wouldn't you yeah I think so and um, I'm just looking now even at the bottom of the table um, both of the bottom two clubs have got teams quite some distance ahead of them so nothing yeah there's no six pointers as such really on that first round of fixes and you just expect Hamburg to win and possibly finish the weekend in an automatic promotion spot. It's going to be, it will, it will be interesting nonetheless, but nothing, nothing jumps out as being quite as potentially season defining as it is in the top tier. No. Osberg O against Sandhausen, which, which is a little bit interesting because, because I have isolated their whole squad and coaching yeah. staff this week after a couple of players had positive tests in the last round of testing. They decided they were going to isolate every single member of the players and staff and coaching staff until next week's testing, I believe, on Tuesday, which then you wonder if another player has picked up a positive test since then. What happens for their game on the Saturday? Are they going to train before the game on the Saturday? So they're kind of an interesting one to follow, I suppose. I would be watching um, over the next, as the week develops, because I think of all the games, I think that one's got the most question marks on as that might not happen. Yeah, absolutely. All it takes is another, I think, another positive test. And I have to go, we know what, we're keeping our players in isolation and that might not happen as you say so that's an interesting one to follow we then have regensburg v holstein kiel i've taken a liking to holstein kiel they get really really involved in social media which is fantastic regularly tweeting their supporter and really getting behind what we're doing so yeah i've taken a liking to them yeah. against regensburg, Temp, regensburg and they've got terrible they've only got one win in five their form of the last five games is lost 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 one lost yeah, 10th um, v, v 7th, two points in it. So for Regensburg, they could kind of kick-start their season. But as you say, they've won win in five, opposed to Holstein Kiel, who have won their last two games. So could go either way, I suppose, couldn't it? That one, neither team is set in the world alike. Holstein Kiel have slightly better form, but not a huge amount in it. Yeah, agree. And then Karlsruhe v Darmstadt. So um, second bottom against the form team in the bottom. division. Yeah, Darmstadt four wins out of their last five. The other one being a draw. Uh, as you say, the level on form with top of the table Bielefeld, where Karlsruhe have lost, lost one, drew, lost. So yeah. very up and down in their form. And really, Darmstadt eight points off that that promotion playoff, nine off automatic. Um, they don't have any room to really they drop points they if, they to, if they're serious about promotion. They need. They need to be getting win wins at places like Karlsruhe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's Saturday. Moving on to Sunday then, which we've got a Saturday, Sunday and a Monday night football with this first round of fixtures, which is great. So Sunday then, the first fixture is Cologne v Mines. Yeah. So again, as we said, if things go to how you'd expect, you'd say Cologne win. Yeah, um, agree. So we'll, we won't spend too long on that one as we spoke about Cologne quite a bit. But Mines doing their, their usual thing, really, aren't they? They're sat in it just above the relegation zone. But they so, are... Yeah, it's hard um, to look anywhere beyond a Cologne win there. It is, but um, Mines seem to be 
a bit like Wigan were for a spell um, in sort of the the late the the early part of this decade that they would just they would always minds always seem to hang around that bottom that trapdoor yet they're experts at getting themselves out of trouble yeah. so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see minds and that and that yeah. they are that team I wouldn't be at all surprised to see minds um, pull pull away from that 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 bottom group as they always seem to do um, mm. over the past few games so whilst we expect Cologne to win. You you can never discount Mainz, especially as the season goes on, I don't think. No, and they have probably one of the best kits I've ever seen, Mainz, um, that we discovered a couple of days after the draw was made last week. When a few tweets went out, Mainz have a fantastic kind of multicoloured checkered kit, which is really worth having a look at. And another one who are big on the, big on the social media as well. Yeah, absolutely, which is great. So, again, mine's maybe not the most exciting football team, but do what they can to make sure fans are involved, which, for what we're doing, you can't ask for more than, really. No. We then have Union Berlin against Bayern Munich. You'd expect Bayern Munich, wouldn't you? This is Uh, quite a sad one, in a way, because um, this would have been one of the greatest atmospheres, I think, of the season, um, if this was a normal fixture. Um, the union known as, or I've got this reputation as one of the most vocal, enthusiastic supporter bases in the league. First first season ever in the Bundesliga. Um, still got that chip on their shoulder against, in terms of the, against the bigger clubs and authority at home to the the most dominant team in German football, Bayern. Um, you would really fancy the usually the union fans to to make that really uncomfortable for Bayern and um, the potential of an upset. Of course, that's that's going to be neutralised with an empty stadium. But, and I think you can't look beyond Bayern, to be honest. Yeah, if, if it, pretty much any fixture you, you go into, you've, you're hard pushed not to put Bayern as favourites, aren't you? I think even more so with empty stadiums. Um, you just expect that it will mean that quality will be more, more relevant than things like referees being influenced by atmosphere, yeah. like supporters influencing that, that players. You'd expect to see really come into its own now, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would I wouldn't I don't think you could discount between it's a bold claim, but I don't think you can discount between now and the end of the season by winning every single game. Yeah. It's not unthinkable, is it, realistically? No. They are such a slick well oiled machine ninety nine percent of the time. And realistically now you've taken out that margin for error which maybe swings games. Yeah. The only thing I think, I guess, that would be interesting to see how they deal with it is that it's still, I don't think it's a full card. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think UEFA have formally cancelled the Champions League yet, have they? Um, that's still something that they're looking to hopefully revisit later um, in the summer. And that might be interesting, I guess, as the season wears on in, in the Bundesliga, if conversations are had, it looks like Champions League in some form might come back, that it. It would be interesting to see how they'll how they'll manage both competitions, given that things are completely different to what they used to, possibly. Yeah, definitely. And that's it for Bundesliga on Sunday, which moves us to Bundesliga 2, with Armenia Bielefeld against Osnabrück. Bielefeld are... Comfortably top. top. And Osnabrück in 12th. There's... No win in five. 22 there. points in it. Osnabrück, three defeats and two draws in their last five. Bielefeld, four wins and a draw. You've got to look, again, that's another one you have to look at the top of the table team there, don't you? Yeah, if we weren't coming into this round of fixtures after a, a month and a half layoff, you would be saying Bielefeld every, every day of the week. It's just like a lot of these fixtures, we're finding that we're just saying 
the underdogs might get something because it's the first round of fixtures after a long break. But if it comes down to quality, you're expecting Beanfield to win that comfortably. Yeah. We then have the one we said is probably the biggest fixture in Bundesliga 2 this weekend, which is Greta Firth at home to Hamburg. So, third v fifth, Hamburg on 44 points, Greta Firth on 36. Eight points in it. Obviously, if Greta Firth win, it comes down to five. But they're still three games back. I think for in, for entertainment features, if we would, I think as a collective, we want Greta Firth to win that because. That then will pull, if Heidenheim win, that will pull them on to 44 points. Firth will be on 39. And you actually, your teams are starting, to, you're, you're expecting Darmstadt to continue to be upwardly mobile over the last nine run, nine games or so. Um, that would pull everyone close together. I feel as though if, if Hamburg win that, um, that's a free horse race. The top three are, gonna pull, are probably going to pull away, aren't they? Yeah. Or definitely the top four, top four if Heidenheim win, that'll yeah. take them to 44. If Hamburg win, will take them to 47. And Darmstadt are really are holding on to 54. So, yeah, if Hamburg win that one and Heidenheim, Stuttgart, and Bielefeld will win, it's very much the four teams have got away at the top. Yeah. If Greta Firth win, suddenly it's a five horse race. Yeah. And possibly if Darmstadt win as well on 36, they're at 39. It opens the table up a little bit up there, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, for the greater good, I suppose, you probably want Greta Firth to win that one. Um, exactly. Keep things alive a little bit. We then have Hanover 96 v Dynamo Dresden. Um, Bottom of the league, Dresden against yeah. Hanover in ninth. But yeah, there's are, nothing in it for their Dresden. Forms, their form is pretty similar, though. Hanover have got three wins in the last five, a loss and a draw. Dresden have got two wins, two losses and a draw. So yeah. Dresden, yes, they're bottom, but. They're not getting pumped every week. They, there is life in them. They're only four points but, off Bochum, who are sitting 15th in, in safety. So, Yeah, that bo- the bottom of the table actually in Bundesliga 2 is, is exciting. With Dresden on 24, Karlsruhe on 24, Wiesbaden on 25, Bochum on 28, Nuremberg on 29, Sandhausen yeah. 29, Osnabrück on 29. The thing, um, looking at... There's six points between 18th and 11th. So, yeah. Um, Looking at Dresden, look at some of the form tables in there, it is going to be close at the bottom, I think, of Bundesliga 2. And looking at Dresden, it's just it's glaringly obvious why they're bottom, and that's because they've only scored 25 goals. Um, yeah, they, they, the scored, team... they scored the least in the league. They've scored yeah. 10 goals. But they don't concede a great deal. They don't concede that many either. They, they, no. They've got a better defensive record than a lot of teams in the bottom half. But, um, yeah, they just are struggling for goals. Yeah. So, on that one, as we said, you'd, you'd fancy Hanover, but... Form is quite close, so the break again for the Dresden for the benefit of the competition. I think it would be great to see Dresden win that to really keep the pressure on those teams above them. Yeah, your next fixture is probably your, your dead rubber of the of the weekend. Saint Pauli in eleventh on thirty points, the Nuremberg in fourteenth on twenty nine points. Yeah, I'm struggling to get other than it being Saint Pauli. You're struggling to get excited about that one. Yeah, that really that's real, real mid table, isn't it? Both teams on pretty much the same form. I guess the only thing you would say score is, pretty much the same amount of goals. Yeah, you know, I guess you would say though, whoever wins it, it's it's a real step towards securing safety if people win that fixture. Yeah, definitely. So that that's probably the only bit of spice to that is potentially you lose that and you could be pulled into a battle a bit at the bottom you win it and you're upwards and looking forwards rather than over your shoulder a bit aren't you yeah exactly and then the last sunday fixture is wiesbaden against second in the table stuttgart so wiesbaden third bottom 
not we great form. We have four points in their last 15 against Stuttgart, who have got 10 points from 15. So, so you, you, you're struggling to look beyond Stuttgart there, really, aren't yeah. you? Stuttgart obviously need to, as we were just saying earlier, need to keep the win to keep ahead of Hamburg um, and to keep on the tails of Bielefeld. If Stuttgart slip up and Bielefeld win, you're looking suddenly then at a 10-point gap and or a nine-point gap, and that's a big ask then. If Bielefeld would have won five out of their last five, then it's a big gap to overturn, isn't it? So, yeah, and then that concludes Sunday, I think you said, but but it does still leave a Monday fixture. Which yeah, is fantastic. Monday we've got Werder Bremen host Bayern Leverkusen. So Bremen right at the bottom, aren't they? Second from bottom on eighteen points. Leverkusen fifth on forty-seven. So a win for Leverkusen could send them up because could send them up to. Third, although unlikely because of the goal difference for Leipzig is so far superior. Yeah. But it could would def, could definitely send them to fourth and put them level on points with Leipzig. And and they've got to be thinking if they win that, they, they're keeping that Champions League potential yeah. alive. Yeah, well, winning the, if they win that and Munich slip up, it, it keeps their, their league ambitions alive, doesn't it? If they, yeah, if they go to I 50, guess so, yeah. If they go to 50 and Munich lose on, on 55, five points... You'd take eight games to go, chasing five points, wouldn't you, I suppose? Yeah, I guess the point the, the point to note is you'd have three other clubs between you in that top spot, but um, it's, it's still a better place to be in than yeah. really. And that's your Monday night football. So that, that kind of concludes our fixtures, really. I think it's fair to say there's a lot more going on in the Bundesliga than Bundesliga 2 this weekend, but there are going to be some big fixtures in, in both divisions between now and the end of the season and we're going to try and talk about the big fixture in each division each as week. each week yeah. yeah as each week comes on um, and there's going to be i think the one point a point we can place to closing on is there's going to be a shock this week this coming weekend somebody is going to get beat by somebody they're not expecting to the somebody's going to a defender's going to make a mistake having not played or, or something yeah there's someone, going to be a somebody's going to get caught by var because they're not going to be a switched on and used to it as they as they would have been after a run of fixtures something will happen somewhere a striker who has scoring has had a break and can come back as a, a new start it, yeah as you say yeah. that someone you don't expect to win is going to win someone really you don't expect to lose is going to lose and if i let's just play it play a game for a second if i had to pick a fixture where i think that's going to be the case a game where I, a team i don't think should win but probably will Let's have a look. Who have we got? I've got mine. So do you want me to go first? What you think? I'm going to go, yeah, go Paderborn. Yours. I'm going to go. I think Paderborn will win at Dusseldorf. I've just got a feeling that. Yeah. Um, I think Paderborn, like we said, I'm going to, going to want to be upwardly mobile. I think Paderborn will get something from Dusseldorf. I'd love to see Union Berlin beat Munich, but I just think that's going to be too much to ask. So I'm yeah. going to go Paderborn to win. The one, I, the one that I'm sort of drawn to is I track Frankfurt at home to Morton Gladbach because Frankfurt are what? Frankfurt are 12th. It was um, only last season they were in the semi-final of the Europa Yeah, so they've got pedigree. They're six points above the drop zone but you have to feel that they've got more to offer. They they had a, they did do well in the in the Europa League last year. Yeah. Um, they've got home advantage. They're underachieving this year I think. Is, yeah, if I had to pick one where I think the upset's going to come I would probably go Eintracht Frankfurt against Borussia Mönchengladbach, but that's purely based on very limited information. I don't know a lot about either of those clubs to say definitely one way or the other. So maybe that's something we can do each week, have a look at where we think the upset. Potential, but 
Yeah. And of course, next week there will be talking points because we will have had the first run of fixtures. One thing that does stand out about Cologne is they have a King Kong-esque goat on their logo with two of the, the, the Cologne Cathedral and a goat. Looks like he's mounting the cathedral, actually, on the logo. But um, clearly that's something that needed a bit of further digging there. And it turns out there's a, there's a really good article which um, Brad will share on the on the social media about yeah, this badge. On Twitter. But the... It's Henner's the goat, and actually he was and is a real goat. Um, the first Henner's goat was donated to the club in the 50s by a travelling circus that was passing through Cologne and um, became their mascot. And shortly after Henner's started going to matches, they started. They went on a good winning run, and it's something that's a bit like the Canaries or the lion, Millwall being the Lions. It's just it's just stuck. Um, they are the goats, he said. And Henner's... Um, you would go to every match and what they've they've done is there's an actual there still is henna's yeah henna's still going isn't he not the original henna's but um an offspring of henna's is is going through the fact sort of the goat family lines as such and we're now on henna's the ninth um henna's the eighth retired in the summer um because of arthritis but but he's still at cologne zoo and um every every home fixture um henna's comes from cologne zoo to the match um i suspect he won't be going for the time being but um it's it's really interesting it's, it's just bizarre fact that this this goat does actually exist and um <laughs> the it's, it's still sort of 70 years on it's, it's still going through history it's like a bloodline um yeah it, it's it's really unique isn't it it's bonkers hard, really it's, it's hard really hard to think to story like that in english football um so what, what I would like, if anyone has got a photo of them with Henners the Goat, I would love to see it. Um, if you've got, if it's the first time listening to the podcast and you happen to have a photo with Henners the Goat, tweet it so we can have a look. That would be absolutely fantastic, I think, mean, to, to see actually Henners the Goat himself. And I suppose that ties in when during the week you were sending me all these Cologne piggy banks, but they were actually goats. Yeah. Now we know why. Yeah. And I mean, they are at home on Sunday, Cologne. So you never know; Henners might make an appearance. I, I doubt it, but um, I will be watching to see if he does make that appearance. Yeah, um, and if anyone does want to watch him, there is a live stream that you can watch. Of you can, they've got a webcam in his compartment at Cologne Zoo, and you can click on it and literally watch the goat. I'll make sure I share that as well. So look on the Twitter page for. Lots of stuff relating to Henna's the goat this week. He escaped um, a few years ago pre-match, and the stewards had to chase him to get him to get him to come back because he was running right around around the pitch and nobody could catch him. There's there's all sorts. He's um, one of the characters of the Bundesliga. Yeah, so keep a lookout for Henna's the goat this week. Um, that wraps up. We've been talking for an hour, which excellent. I originally planned for half an hour this week, a bit shorter, but actually we've reached an hour, which is fine. An hour of football chat is an hour worthwhile in my eyes. Fixtures next week, as we've said, make a return. We will do a summary and a look forward to next time you hear from us. We are we have now broadened our spectrum of where you can listen to the podcast. It's now on Spotify, it's on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. So you've got no excuse not to listen. Keep a lookout on Twitter as well. We'll keep sharing fan stories there. And as the fixtures take place, there'll be more interaction, I'm sure, from the German clubs. But yeah, that wraps up week two and episode two. 
Um, Stay so safe, again, everybody. And yeah, thank you for listening. Got no friends.